What up, everyone? Pat Mayo here. Just want to let you know this podcast is in two parts. The first part up is going to be the first look, along with how you can get an entry into the One and Done tournament, a free entry. Uh, It's basically just rate, review this podcast with your Twitter handle or email address in the review. If you've already reviewed the show, just do it again. You'll pop to the very top of that so I can find it. You know, five stars, something you like about the show. Boom, you're in a giveaway. There's also a video giveaway, too, which you can enter even if you don't give a shit about the videos at all. Uh, And part two of this podcast is one and done strategy both are separated by video up on mayo media network on youtube which if you want the other part of the the free one and done entry giveaway i suggest you go subscribe to you got a gmail address you can go subscribe to the one and done all right enjoy the shows I think you should all play in the giant one and done this year, fantasygolfchampionships.com. You can find the link in the description. It's $100 to play, five max entry. It's already 65% full. So if you want your spot, you might want to go get it right now. Um, But I do have a few giveaways and I'll be trying to give those out probably Thursday once Tournament of Champions actually starts. So two ways to enter the giveaway. And you can enter both ways if you want to double your chances of getting one of the free $100 entries. Way number one, subscribe to Mayo Media Network on YouTube. That easy. If you just have a Gmail account, you can sub to Mayo Media Network on YouTube. We're trying to get the numbers as high as possible. So help us out here so we can continue to do as many of these shows as possible. So sub to the YouTube channel and on social media if you see one of the one and done tweets or the show for this show tweet or the Monday show with Jeff tweets or the DraftKings show on Tuesday, you see that tweeted out by me, just give it a simple retweet and then just respond to me with your just say, hey, I did it. And then boom, you're in the draw. Uh, So I'll pick one person from that that uh also with a combined of if you're listening to the audio version or even if you don't listen to the audio version just go to apple Podcasts, rate the pat mayo experience five stars say something nice about the show and you're in that draw leave your email address too or your twitter handle that way i can identify you if you actually end up winning if you've previously subscribed to mayo media network on youtube or left an audio review go leave your audio review again uh because it just goes right to the top if you go do that so you know it takes like I guess if you actually write something, you click five stars after you scroll down on your iPhone and then leave your Twitter handle or email address. Plus, hey, I think everyone should listen to this show. It's good stuff uh, and something like that. Uh, probably takes like 24 seconds and you have a chance to win 100 bucks. Why not do it? And if you've previously subscribed to the YouTube channel, you're in that draw already. Just let me know that you have done it along when you retweet the stuff on social media. All right. That's simple. Also, you want to get ahead of the game, get the leg up on the competition. If you're betting, if you're playing on DraftKings, or you're just playing in the one and done, fantasynational.com. You're going to see me walk through my research process on fantasynational.com today. Fantasynational.com slash Mayo gets you 20% off either for the week, for the month, for the year, whatever you want to go into. If you get the weekly, it's $8 per week. You're probably going to spend more than that on golf every single week if you're serious about it i mean if you want to generate your lineup super quickly boom you want to use the simulator boom it's all no matter what membership level that you're in at at fantasynational.com you get the same as everyone so fantasynational.com slash mayo the annual is the best bang for your buck highly suggest you go check that out let's talk tournament of champions it's in hawaii so some prime time golf on thursday friday saturday and sunday it might even still be on after the football games are over Like I said, Monday and Tuesday, 
betting show and DraftKings Pick Show. The live chat will return on Wednesdays at some point during the season, likely after football season ends. Uh, but we have a ton of stuff coming out for you. And at DKPlaybook.com, you can always find my article, you, uh, my pivot plays for DraftKings tournaments will be up on ftndaily.com free for everyone so everyone go over there and check that out of stuff in golf digest this year I'm everywhere you want to be for this golf season but tournament of champions itself it's a par 73 at Kapalua same as it always is 7596 yards the big difference for 2021 is the amount of players in this field because of the COVID restrictions uh, they actually opened it up this year so it's everyone who won on tour last year you win you get in that's how it normally works but this season they have extended the field to anyone who played in the tour championship so if you were one of the top 30 players at the end of the fedex cup you've actually qualified you're wondering how is tony finau in this field he never wins well he made it to the tour championship and actually had quite a nice season so he's actually here this time around so the 42 players is the largest this field is ever going to be it has six of the top seven players in the world the only two real notables that are taking a hard pass this week are rory mcelroy and tyrrell hatton right now in the very early fantasy national field they're both in it right now uh, once it gets updated for the betting odds on monday morning and the DraftKings salaries and everything else on monday afternoon those guys will not be in it anymore we don't have the actual opening odds yet i've been referring refreshing and refreshing and refreshing because we know what the field is give us the, give us the odds all right give us the fucking odds uh but if you want to bet bet on bet on draftkingsportsbook.com as always people uh but you know jeff and i are going to hammer those home on a monday's show if you want to get the full scope of the betting odds past champions at this course justin thomas won in a three-way playoff with xander shoffley and patrick reed a year ago at minus 14 the wind was up always have to be very cognizant of the wind on a coastal course like kapalua there's a lot of weird elevation changes you're never going to have a flat lie on this course uh, i'd say the comp would be augusta and tpc deer run actually in terms of the type of players that can do really well here but that's just based on the lies um, in terms of actual like proximity odds uh, once you go and look at it a lot of wedge really good wedge players end up winning at kapalua so that's the one like crossover with deer run the problem is a lot of the guys that play in this tournament aren't playing at tpc deer run in the john deere classic uh, but they do play at augusta so you've seen a lot of uh, good crossover between those places but JT won last year at minus 14, Xander minus 23 the year before, DJ minus 24 the year before that, JT minus 22, Spieth minus 30, Patrick Reed minus 21. So you got to be able to make your putts, hit your wedges, stick something close. One of my favorite shots of all time came at this course uh, when DJ almost had the hole in one on the par four. But sometimes if the, you know, the wind's at your back, you can carry everything here. And because of the Play, being played at, ele at elevation and with the elevation swings, you're going to see, and the fairways are so wide here, so don't even worry about, like, accuracy. People are going to If you miss the fairway at this course, you're bad. So, or you're getting a bit too aggressive. So, but off the tee is going to come in handy a lot here, especially the longer drivers. You want to pair up the longer drivers with excellent wedge games. That's the best way to play it this week. And it's just the names I rattled off to you. Good players end up winning here. You very rarely see a first-timer end up hoisting a trophy at Kapaloo. That might change this this year because the field has been expanded a little bit the field is a lot stronger than we normally get because you have your finos your shefflers guys that normally wouldn't be in this tournament because they didn't win the year before but are here now so it's not just you know jim herman's also not playing he tested positive for covid19 but you know it's that type of player like you're going to see michael thompson at this tournament you're going to see Stuart sink uh, who else is just randomly in this cameron actually cameron smith did win last year so did nick taylor totally forgot about that 
like Brendan Todd didn't get a win in the calendar year because he played in last year's event, but he finished inside the top 30 and went to the FedEx Cup. So he's back this season. Streb is playing this time around. Mackenzie Hughes, despite not winning, is in this tournament as well. So there's just a bunch of different people that, that you can go to from that regard if you, you know, the back end of the field is not great. Although it's going to help us out on DraftKings, instead of having 27 people in the field, there's 42 people in the field. It's like a jankier version of a WGC, for example. By the way, that one and done starts next week at the Sony Open. So you don't, you should get in it right now because it might be full by the time you get around to it. But, um, it, it starts January 14th at the Sony Open. We throw this one out to give people time. Give it to gestate a little bit so more people can get in. There's $300,000 of guaranteed money. 30 k to first prize, too, by the way. Again, you want to be using fantasynational.com slash mayo in order to do this. So let's jump over to fantasynational.com. Right now, you can see the TOC field. Uh, you can go back and look through time if you want to, all the way back to 2014. Uh, the stats now, uh, weighted stats, because of our partnership at Fantasy National with the PGA Tour and ShotLink, go all the way back to the early 2000s if you really want to go dig in. But let's just kind of do everything right off the hop here. We can go to past course conditions and the course breakdown. So for the course itself, uh, we're looking at, you know, easy scoring, Bermuda greens. I was very firm last year, but a lot of that had to do with the wind. It got dried out. You can see two windy AF rounds. It means it was above 17 miles per hour. Uh, you know, there's barely any rough. The greens are super slow uh, and hitting the fairway super easy. Generally, you're looking at easy to hit fairways, medium firmness on the green, and still very slow at the same time. Uh, everyone is guaranteed to get their four rounds. There is no cut at this event, so you're going to get a ton of DraftKings scoring along the way. And for the actual breakdown of the course, again, it's a par 73. So when we go to the rankings, you can see par 5, par 5, par 5, par 5. Uh, and there's only one, two, or one, two, three, par threes on the course. So a lot of par fours uh, when you get down to it. One, two, three, four, five measure. One, two, three, four, five, six measure between 300 and 400 yards. Again, uh, proximity from like 100 to 125. You'll see either guys go attack that green or lay up a little bit. But 125, uh, 120 to 125 is where you're going to see a lot of it. Uh, strokes gained approach and strokes gained putting. But off the tee really comes into factor as well. When you're dealing with scores that get down to like minus 30, minus 21, when you're regularly in that time frame around, the green is going to matter a whole lot less because you need to be hitting a ton of greens and regulation the greens and regulation percentage at this course where is it uh, it's almost 80 percent. so if you're missing greens you're kind of fucked to begin with so uh, i wouldn't worry too much about around the greens you can see the average driving distance to this course almost 290 yards versus 282 yards at your regular event and the average uh, green and regulation proximity to the hole is much longer because these greens are gigantic um, so even lag putting a little bit, although you'd want to have players who are a bit more dialed in with their irons. Uh, you can see just the distribution of everything. There's one par four that's above 500 yards, but these short par fours are really where you're going to get most of your scoring from. If you play those well, I um, mean, you're going to make your birdies on your par fives. Is there a ton of eagles at this course? I can never remember. The par five fifth hole generates a bunch of eagles, almost 4% eagle rate, a 58% birdie rate. Uh, and even these short par fours, you're going to see a very high birdie rate for those as well. The par threes are actually some of the lower birdie rate ones. So if you can just kind of push on the par threes, beat up on the par fives and beat up on the short par fours, you're well on your way. That's why you, know, you can see the Patrick Reed types of the world and the Spieth types of the world really compete when their putters and irons are on. But when you have JT and X and, you know, 
John Rahm and Dustin Johnson all in the field, your strokes gained off the tee and driving distance is going to play a significant factor if you're hitting your irons well that week. We can see the scrambling percentage is lower at this course versus your average tour event. That's just because there are so few scrambling situations that if you are if you do end up scrambling at Kapalua, uh, you weren't in a very good spot to begin with. So uh, you can go research this for yourself at fantasynational.com. Again, slash Mayo. Get you everything you need to know. Uh, usually you try to target the players that have played in the Hero World Challenge coming into this, that like mini event that Tiger puts on, but there wasn't anything uh, this year. So you're just going to see a lot of players who haven't played since the Masters, to be perfectly honest with you. Maybe some people played the RSM. Maybe some people played... At at Mayakoba, uh, but I'm not going to put too much weight into recent results. That was over a month ago. Maybe if you really want to jump on it, but you can go back and look at the course history from each specific event. We'll go back and look at the strokes gained from the past two years as well. Last year, Justin Thomas won in the playoff, like I mentioned. You had uh, Neiman show up for the first time at this event. He ended up coming in fifth. That's a really good finish. The best other two debutantes, Morikawa and Lanto Griffin. Then he had like Munoz, Palmer. Uh, Palmer had played in it before. It's just been ages since he had played. You know, the Todd father ditto for him. Kevin Nod ditto for him. Uh, they weren't actual first timers, um, but you can see they finished towards the end of the field as well. In 2019, you had Xander and Justin Thomas. Uh, Gary Woodland didn't play, is not in the tournament this year, so he was second that year to Xander Shoffley. Both put on great uh, performances. But if we just look at strokes gained total over the past five years, Dustin, DJ, Xander, Rom. Rom's never finished worse than 10th in this event. It's pretty good. Patrick Reed, by and large, finishes inside the top six, except for that one really random um, top 25 in 2015. He won this event. So always, you know, typical type of players. Um, that, you know, just go attacking with everything. So it's going to be harder harder to find sleepers in the tournament this year uh, than we normally see. So how did they do it? Last year, Justin Thomas, as you can see, barely gained, didn't even gain a full stroke putting, uh, but his tee to green was very good, just behind Xander Shoffley, who lost strokes putting and lost in a playoff. Uh, Patrick Reed, I believe, uh, I bet him last year and he lost, but I believe this was his like championship putting event of the year. Yeah, 9.3 strokes gained on the greens. Um, hard to replicate nine point strokes, 9.3 strokes gained uh, on the greens every single week. So it's very interesting to see when it comes down to that regard. That's probably not going to happen again uh, the year before. 7.3 from Bryson was the best you were going to do. And that's back before we had beefy Bryson on the go. If we just go back to T to green, Justin Thomas, Gary Woodland, Xander Shoffley, one, two, three, and four uh, were the top four finishers in T to green. Uh, although, you know, Justin Thomas once again did not putt well at this event, but he did gain over 10 strokes on approach. That was more than three strokes better than the next closest. That was Webb Simpson here. Um, yeah, DJ was good around the greens that year. So was Xander, but then he had like Michael Kim and Kevin Tway who didn't really factor into everything. And then off the tee, you had Rory, you had Bubba lost 11 strokes on the green. That's impressive. I probably bet that loser that week, too. Uh, so there's a myriad ways that you can really go about this. But um, tee to green, uh, especially off the tee and approach, are the two main cogs that you want to go with. So if we just go into the custom modeling, as you can see, I've had everything saved here on my right. I put a lean of 15% uh, each on off the tee. 
and approach opportunities gained, which I do think is a very critical stat this week. It measures the best chances you have at birdie. So it's a green or fringe under regulation from 20 feet and in uh, to give yourself a legitimate birdie putt or eagle putt uh, to actually score on these holes. A lot of people use birdie or betters gained. I like to use opportunities gained. It takes putting really out of the factor. Maybe you want to factor in putting because it does have a substantial influence here, but I just want the players who have the most opportunities to score at this course. Par 5s weighted in at 10%. Par 4s, 300 to 400 yards, 10%. Proximity, 100 to 125, 10%. And par 4s, 10% just overall. So really doubling down on those. Like I said, you just want to push the par 3s here and do most of your scoring everywhere else. So let's jump back to my custom modeling. I have it over the past 50 rounds. Like I said, if you really want to jump into how everything works out. You can put on the Bermuda filter. You can put on the medium firmness filter. Uh, it's over 7,500 yards, over 7,400 yards. You can play into it like that, but it is a par 73. That's unusual for the PGA Tour. And you can go to like Velcro to average for green speed as well as they're, as they're on the slower end. You can turn all of those on for your mixed condition modeling. You can turn one of them on uh, just to see what it ends up spitting out. And you can always fuck around with, you can go to you know, all rounds. You can go to the past two years if you want to go by season. You can go to the past 20 rounds and get a really micro view of it but where this is the first tournament in over a month and a lot of these players haven't played you know they've played once in the past two months if that then you know we want to take sort of a larger view a good baseline of who played well at the end of the year you can even maximize the sample size of the past 100 rounds and look over the past year and a half to get a true baseline on a lot of this stuff but just straight up by the modeling Dustin Johnson John Rahm Justin Thomas Xander Shoffley Bryson DeChambeau Daniel how's your burger Webb Simpson, Harris English, Patrick Cantley, Tyrrell Hatton, who's not playing. So then it goes to Patrick Reed as number 10 here. Um, it just, you know, it tells you that the good players should play well here and the good players generally do play well here. So I guess it's about finding that next level of player down. You got like the kids pops up. Adam Scott is playing for the first time in ages this early in the season. I'm actually quite, it leads me to believe that he's taking this year more seriously than last year because we saw him very sparingly post-COVID break. We didn't even see him for the first time until Riviera a year ago when he won that event, but it looks like uh, maybe he's worried about falling down in the world rankings just a little bit, so he's back here. Who's not good in this field? You got Leishman, Gay, Landry, Streb, Michael Thompson, Herman Atrix, who's not playing, uh, Nick Taylor, Richie Warinsky. I totally forgot he won that Stableford event. What is that? Not the Barracuda. Is it the Barracuda? The one where I, we had the, the Schwab double and he ended up coming in third. Good week. Uh, Sink, Ortiz. Uh, Ortiz, from a more micro view over like the past you know six events, is probably looking a whole lot better. And even someone like Munoz, when you put him up against these very top-end guys, not the best for what this tournament demands. Actually, this is just strokes gain total. What the fuck am I talking about here? It's probably going to be the same when I filter it by the actual modeling itself. Probably should have looked at that when I did it. So yeah, the actual rank, Dustin, JT, Rom, Bryson, Morikawa, Webb, Finau, Hovland, Berger, Hatton, Rory, both not playing, and then Joaquin Neiman. Neiman's really interesting for this. I'll bet you he'll be discredited by the odds as well, just because I don't think that he... Don't recall him having the best end of tournaments. Yeah, 44, 17th, 6th at the CJ Cup. Uh, 13th at the Shriners, 23rd. Yeah, not a great end of the year for him. 
Uh, but let's just go look at the wedge game just to see who's been popping in that regard. DJ Adam Scott, nah, nah just drives the ball so poorly. It's going to be tough for him, uh, but he can really heat it up with the putter. You'd think that he would play well at this tournament, but we've just never really seen it over time. I don't even, don't even know what his best finish at this tournament is, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, where is he? Tournament of Champions, Tournament of Champions. What do we have that listed at here? Wapo, no, he didn't play it that year. Did he play at the beginning of 2020? I believe I said he did, so don't want to be made a liar of maybe he didn't let's see do we have it listed as toc we do he did come 12th here in 2012 as he gained a stroke around the greens never good off the tee minus 7.7 is especially egregious uh for any sort of event off the tee bad with the irons bad on the greens um i tend to like him better at places where you can putt faster um as we see you know he does pet putt better on bermuda tends to play better at easy courses so that should go into it but he does have a really good wedge game uh that is something to look out for so if we're scanning the very bottom of the field i probably wouldn't go with brian gay neiman i'm kind of like a neiman and burger here because it's gonna you're probably gonna have especially on DraftKings, the want to build the stars and scrubs by you know taking Dustin Johnson and Justin Thomas uh, and even Colin Morikawa, uh, who ends up ranking fifth here. Very good with his wedges, very good with his irons in general. Uh, fifth in opportunities gained, third in approach, and he really hammers these short par fours. We see it. Well, he's not the best off the tee going, you know, 14th in this field over the past 50 rounds. We know on the shorter par fours, as evidence, uh, both, and we, we saw it at work day when he ended up winning on that short par four when he just stuck it. He missed the eagle putt, tapped it in for birdie. Then we saw it at the PGA Championship when he just blasted on Sunday that short par four. Everyone was having problems. That's the one good thing when you're a super accurate player with your driver, with good length, but not like super duper length uh, and not the most accuracy that when you have someone in that regard, like Colin Morikawa, they can really take advantage of the shorter par fours by going for it. It gives them a similar advantage on those holes as a Dustin Johnson, who's, you know, amazing just in general. That's why he's Dustin Johnson. He just won the masters. He's an excellent player. Um, what do we see from Nick Taylor? Good with his wedges. He is also a very good driver of the ball when he's going, but I feel like, yeah, not great with the irons, really. Um, he had a nice little run through Workday and Memorial and then at St. Jude, and then really went off the rails for him. Uh, when he's at his best, he does do well ball striking-wise. He's played well with John Deere over time. You might have to gamble on a few of these guys at cheaper prices just because we don't know. Cam Smith coming off the second-place finish at the Masters. We got Patty Reed, another, you know, Good short. Who's the best of the short par fours just overall? Kiz, Morikawa, Reed, Bryson. Very interested to see what Bryson does here. He actually has a win at the John Deere Classic, and obviously he's a much different player this time around than he was a year ago. And we know he can really ratchet up the putting when he gets on. It might be a, might be a nice spot for him to really rebound to begin the season here. But I mean, my guy Scotty Scheffler is probably where I'm going to end up going because I'm such a sucker. I wrote my three players to watch for at the for this three players that will win you money this season on the. PGA Tour. Spoiler alert for me, it's going to be Corey Connors, Scotty Scheffler, and Bubba Watson, so it looks like I'm going to lose a lot of money this year, but they're off the tee games and they're ball striking. The ball striking for Scheffler has not been excellent because the approach really struggled once he returned from COVID-19, but in 30, what is it, in 34 tournaments since joining the PGA Tour, basically on a full-time basis, he's gained strokes off the tee, I believe, in 31 of them, so... If he can figure out, and it's not like he's a disaster around the greens. He's a disaster on the greens. Guy can't putt to save his life. But we've seen Corey Connors, when he has a middling week, Corey Connors isn't playing this week, and he just overall doesn't hit the ball quite as far, but he's more of a 
lighter version of Morikawa off the tee, very good with his irons, can't chip or putt. But if you can just get a week where he hits a ton of greens in regulation and makes a few putts, his ball striking is so good that it can pull him through. The, the ask for someone like Scotty Scheffler is you know the driving is going to be really good. We've seen weeks where the irons are really good, but can you get that median week, his well above average where he gains like a stroke and a half putting on the greens? All of a sudden, you're looking at a potential winner when it comes down to it. If it's the windiest week of all, you might as well just gamble, gamble on Purdy Marty Laird because the guy loves the wind, but uh, probably won't be ending up on any of my teams here. Um, you know, par fives, opportunities gained, and driving. Scotty Scheffler really fits that bill. So Neiman Scheffler, maybe a gamble on Nick Taylor, Morikawa might be where I end up leaning as it comes through. Who's a disaster? You know, Champ, uh, it's funny because he tends to play shorter courses as well. Um, I don't know why that ends up being the case. Had a really nice Masters. Maybe he is turning his, turning himself around. Oh, I don't know why I went backwards on that one. Um, where is Champ? Wake up, Champ! How has he been doing to end the year with his irons. That'd be my one concern about Bryson's. We know he's not a great wedge player. So proximity-wise, good at the Zozo, but you can just see a lot of negatives. Uh, more so towards the beginning. Uh, very bad stretch. Just really played the workday in Memorial in the Merrifield Village. Very poorly for Cameron Champ. But by and large, not one of the best wedge players going. Better off the tee. But maybe he can figure that part of his game out. Maybe that has really helped him a little bit. And like where you're going to see like a minus 60 in a round or a minus 15. You're not seeing a whole lot of like plus 80s, plus 50s per round, but you're seeing a lot of minus 34, minus 21. So he tends to hurt himself more than he helps himself in those areas. Let's see with Bryson how he's doing. He's, yeah, he's figured out the wedges a little bit better um, over the course of time. So maybe he's not as bad from that range as maybe, it's just he takes so many shots from that range. Like we saw at Rocket Mortgage those weeks where it feels like you know when you're 74 yards out, I guess that's not in this range, but like 111 yards out, that you should be sticking it. Like you expect Justin Thomas to hit it to three feet. And when you watch Bryson where he gets so many opportunities from those from that range that it just never turns out that way. But that's the way that I'm looking to kick this all off. We go super macro. Let's look at that. Past 24 rounds. So not super duper, but just short up the sample size, basically post-COVID. Dustin, Rom, DJ, Hatton not playing. Finau, Bryson, Rory, not playing. Xander, Hideki. It could be a year for Hideki. What's Hideki's... I feel like Hideki had a nice run at this tournament, but then he hadn't won since 2017, so he wasn't into it. But let's see, fourth, second, and third for Hideki. The Hideki bot could end up being one of those guys, too, that could win people a lot of money this season. It was great tee to green last year. Just never really happened for him. Not generally a player you want to take on Bermuda outside of Phoenix, but maybe on these slower greens that can help mitigate it just a little bit. But thank you. I'm so happy golf is back. We're doing golf and football full-time until the Super Bowl ends, and we're just digging even more into golf and then you know occasionally football as well as it goes along so you can expect the first look videos you can expect the betting show with jeff and i on mondays on tuesdays the DraftKings picks and preview with the cavalcade of guests that i have from around the industry i'm gonna get raza for this week i think if he has the time uh and then on wednesdays after football ends we're gonna have the live chat for some of the bigger events um we'll have a majors preview this Thursday, Jeff and I, uh, if you want some more content, and I released the video for One and Done Strategy. That's up on Mayo Media Network right now. I told you about the giveaways. Uh, rate and review the audio podcast. Leave your Twitter handle or your email to get into that. Uh, and retweet the show around on social media after you subscribe to Mayo Media Network on YouTube. If you do both those, you're in the contest twice. Maybe you'll win both entries into the One and Done. If not, just spend the 100 bucks. You have five, you know, five shots of this. You might want to 
secure your spot right now instead of waiting to win an entry where frankly it's probably going to be like a one in 500 chance that you end up winning just pay the 100 bucks it's $3.50 per week uh, for the course of the year to go into it and you don't want to miss out you don't want us to be talking about this in May and being like damn it I wish I would have played in the one and done so fantasygolfchampionships.com link in the description you can also find the link to fantasynational.com use fantasynational.com slash mayo to get yourself 20% off and you can use all of these tools in any way you want you think they that I have the stupidest way of using them, you put them to better use. We've seen our members win millions of dollars over the past three years, and we're hoping to breach forward through that. Plus, we have more stats as of 2021, more tools, and more on the way. Throughout the course of the year, whenever I bring up picks for the one-and-done contest, I'm always hit with one of two questions. One, what is one-and-done? Two, how can I play in one and done? Well, I've already answered number two, but we'll dig into that a little bit more. And while there are myriad variations on the one and done format in its most simplistic form, it's about as basic as it gets. You select one golfer per tournament. Once you have selected that golfer, they cannot be used ever again for that season. Your team earns the same amount of money as the golfer you selected for that event. Whoever has the most money at the end of the season wins the top prize. It's akin to the NFL survivor pool, except you're never really in fear of being eliminated with a bad pick. So that's about as basic as it gets. The beauty really rests in the difficulty of it all. It's tough to pick winners when just in general, but when you have to narrow down your selection to just one golfer per event, exponentially harder. If you use Dustin Johnson, for example, at the Northern Trust in 2020, your team would have netted a cool $1.7 million. Had you have used Dustin Johnson at the Memorial Tournament, you would have been left holding the bag with a big, fat zero on your squad. In this format of game, good timing is actually everything. You need to make smart picks, but you need to be able to hit it off the tee when it's served up to you, too. That makes it accessible both for seasoned players and newbies alike. Any skill level, it all levels the playing field. As for how you get in on the league, you best be looking at the beginning of the year. If you're watching this after the Sony Open starts, well, you've missed out on the giant one-and-done for this year. Maybe, like I said, another one opens up at the Masters. Maybe one opens up mid-season. I'm not sure how that's all going to go yet, but the big one, always at the beginning of the year. They typically start sometime in January and run through the remainder of the PGA season. This year's massive one-and-done is being hosted by Sports Hub, branded the Fantasy Golf Championships. It's spread across 31 events in 2020, starting at the Sony Open. That's January 14th, and you can enter up to five times, like I said, $100 per entry. Everyone's going to compete for that $30,000 top prize, $300K overall in the prize pool. And there's no one strategy to trump them all as it pertains to one-and-done, but... There are a few things to consider before making picks, and it's the same as every single other sports contest created. You gotta know the rules. Competing in the giant main event against over 3,000 other entries is a lot different than trying to win a league against, let's say, six or seven of your friends. Error is a lot more forgiving the fewer the amount of entries in a contest. It's a lot like playing a lineup on DraftKings. The strategy behind winning a single entry tournament that only has 200 other entries is marginally different, let's say, than how you think about navigating a field of 105, 175,000 lineups when people can submit up to 150 rosters. That said, there are a basic few rules of thumb. Just use good players. I know that seems obvious, but anyone who routinely wagers on golf can tell you how often the 100 to 1 long shot actually ends up hoisting the novelty check come Sunday afternoon. Since a one and done tournament is all based around picking winners, 
Don't be scared to stick to a plan and simply choose the best talent. That easy. Maybe not that easy, but that's a good plan to start with. It's more difficult than you think. Everyone wants to be a genius so they can showcase how smart they are to the world, and everyone knows I'm as guilty of that as anyone. And last year's one in Donnie was Russell Knox in the second tournament of the season. My gut said Knox would be able to compete in a weaker field at the American Express. I did my research on Fantasy National, fantasynational.com slash mayo, by the way, for that discount, to give myself the statistical and course-backing edge that I thought it was going to be a smart pick. Spoiler alert, it wasn't. Knox was fine that week. He made the cut and bagged $29,815 for himself and my team at PGA West. Based on the amount that total money takes at the end of the season, long one and done, $29,815 may have well just been zero. Now, you're going to have bad finishes many times throughout the course of the year. Even that week, you could have selected, let's say, I don't know, Paul Casey, who was the third favorite in the betting odds at 22 to 1. He only banked $63,000 that week. Better than Knox, but not significant in the grand scope of the season. Plus, then you could never use Casey again. Maybe I wanted to save Paul Casey. I didn't. I guess maybe the PGA Championship. It didn't matter, though. The part I didn't think through was the amount of times I'd actually have to pick a player. I always fall trapped with that. I remember it in January. Forget it by February. In this year's contest, like I said, there are 31 events which count towards the one-and-done contest. Although it seems like you'll actually never, you'll run out of good players to choose, you never do. So what if I burn Casey? I should have never been using Knox in the first place. If there are only 31 picks to make, why am I taking the 225th ranked player in the world? Because I wanted to be sneaky and find a winner no one else had and vault myself up in the standings and everyone could give me all the credit I wanted. Instead, I just fell further behind by choosing a player who was 32nd in the betting odds that week as a favorite to win. It's not to say that you should never take a chance. Andrew Landry won that week and he was 200 to one before the event started. One of the biggest long shot winners on tour all year. The problem with players from that range is that there are tons of them. It's not like Landry was one of two players at 200 to one in the field. He was one of 60 or so players valued at 200 to one or higher. So you only had to, you not only have to pray that it's a tournament where a long shot wins, you also have to be able to pick that needle out of the haystack amongst those long shots. Like I said, if you bet on golf, you know that's kind of tough to do. There's no one optimal strategy for a league like this, but the most success I've had in the years of playing one to done is pretty basic. Try not to use a player outside of the top 60 in the world rankings, and unfortunately at weaker field tournaments, that's likely not going to be possible. And then try to take the least popular of the betting options of, let's like, say, the top five or top 10 betting options that week. Just take the least popular one. That way you always guarantee yourself a quality golfer, and then you can zig slightly where the other people are zagging. If you're golfer wins, you still create a large chasm in the overall standings. In this way, you actually select a golfer who has, let's say, a higher than 0.1% chance of winning the tournament before it actually begins. There's always exceptions to the rule. For example, if you're $5 million behind the leader by the time the Masters comes along, well, you might need to start swinging for the fences with every pick, as there's no hope that you're actually going to catch up taking the same golfers as everyone else. That's the only path to recovery. Hopefully you don't find yourself in that situation because of the sensible selections you make to actually begin the year. Also, it never hurts to plan in advance. The majors, the players, the WGCs all have a larger purse than most of the other events, so saving the truly elite players for those tournaments makes a lot of sense. But don't let it hamstring you into saving too much of the top-end talent. $1.2 million in earnings counts the same no matter where the event is at. And frankly, the Bryson DeChambeau's of the world are far more likely to win a weaker field event like the Rocket Mortgage Classic than be one of the 50 best players in the world lurking around the grounds and trying to win a major. 
that easy, just simple probability. The biggest single mistake that is made every year in one and done is not using your full complement of the best players. Yes, you want to leave Rory, let's say, for the PGA Championship. And by all means, go for it. You should have a great week at Kiowa Island this time around. But don't paint yourself into a corner where there's six events remaining and you have 12 of the 20 best players in the world at your disposal. You would have been better off using some of those people at the point over, let's say, the Russell Knox types. Make certain to maximize the starts from your studs. And if you're mapping everything out in January about who you're going to select in August, remember, there's always a Russell Henley, Harris English, or back a few years, Billy Horschel or Chris Kirk, who emerge as legit talent by the time the FedEx Cup playoffs actually begin. So you're never actually out of viable options. That's my one and done quick strategy for the year. Play in the Fantasy Golf Championships one and done at fantasygolfchampionships.com. Become a member at fantasynational.com right now for all of your research to get a leg up on the competition. It can't hurt to know more. I'll tell you that much right now. Fantasynational.com slash mayo to get yourself a 20% discount on all of the packages open to all members as well. Thank you all for watching. Smash like button to the video. Give Give me your best tip in the comment section. Enjoy some one and done this year. It's a whole lot of fun. I highly encourage you to play it because you're gonna fall in love with it. You might even end up playing five entries next year after you played one this year. I'll see you next time. Experience! Experience!